trying to get in the church. Some of our new people come to the church, they have to come in kicking and screaming to get to be a part of the cliques that's in the church. Yeah, that's what they have to do. And I, so are you new people. I'm not I'm making you out to be dogs. I'm just saying that a puppy, puppy learns to be a dog around other dogs. And a new person needs to learn how to be a saint around being around other saints. You don't have to teach someone that's been a saint for 20 years how to be a saint. You should be teaching someone who's not been a saint very long how to be a saint. Isn't that good preaching? I'm not even preaching on that today, but it's the way we need to be. We need to to uh, to invite people out to eat that well, we normally don't go out to eat with. Isn't that right? Huh? So I'm going to start making Sundays. I shall stand out there, and I'm just going to take a little list and say, who are you going out to eat with today? And Tony said, well, I don't have the money to pay for a new convert. And I said, borrow it from Bob or Jacqueline. I said, they need to... They need to have someone go out to eat with them. Don't go out with the same people. 
I mean, some of you preachers go out with the same preachers all the time. You guys have talked about everything you can talk about. You know, not you, I know. I mean, Adam and, and, and Rob's talked about everything deep and spiritual that there is. There's nothing left. So they need to take some of that deep spiritual talk and talk to somebody who needs it. Isn't that right? So you can take me out to eat next time. I need some of that deep spiritual talk. <laughs> oh, all right. I have, uh, <laughs> I've got a, another thing that God dealt with me about, and I, I, I did a lot of research just to find out. You ever, have you ever been intrigued by just a word? Uh, I, I got intrigued by the word nowhere. And do you realize that there are religions that are based on nowhere? Nihilism is based on nowhere. And uh, I, I'm going to preach on a ship bound for nowhere for just a little while. Now, some of you are, you know, familiar. Of course, all of us are familiar with our economy condition that that's in. But uh, a few years ago, in the Gulf, we had all the hurricanes that came through. And when that happened, and with our economy being the way that it is, uh, the cruise ship lines took a real... A real hit. In fact, there's a lot of cruise ships that are just setting, not doing anything. And if you've got all the millions of dollars invested in a cruise ship that, that they've got and those ships are not going anywhere, then somebody's taking a big hit on that. So not too long ago, they began to have a new cruise. And that cruise, the destination, it was advertised nowhere. The cruise ship would take out at a reduced rate a group of people, and they'd make a couple laps in the Gulf, and they'd come back. And so you had a reduced rate, but you didn't go nowhere. And so I kind of got on this, and I, I began to think, now, is there a person in the Bible who went nowhere? And there was only one that I could come up with, and so it's the best I could do, but I felt like God impressed me with it. Y'all feeling comfortable? Good, good, good. Everybody in good shape? You got that guitar good? You're not going nowhere, are you? Okay, good, good. Jonah 1, 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence, notice this, from the presence of the Lord. All right, if you are spiritual enough to have had your Bible instead of looking at the screen behind me, Okay, pick it up, and so you'll look spiritual. Shut it. Put it back down. And let's raise our hands to the Lord, and let's ask him for his blessings. God, we thank you for everything that you've done, for the blessings, God, that is in our life. And I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and our understanding, Jesus, the way that I know that you will do. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated anytime that you try to escape from God, you're going to find yourself on a certain ship. And that is the ship 
that is bound for nowhere. Now, for just a little while, just a little bit, I've done this only one other time, but I want to preach in the first person. And you just follow me, and if you don't like it, get over it. Okay? I am Jewish, and I hate to see. Now, you know if you've been around me, that's not the truth, but that's the reason you know I'm preaching in the first person. I am Jewish, and I hate to see, but, you know, I, 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 I came from a long line of sea haters. I don't like anything about it. From ages past, my people have avoided the sea at all cost. It's a dreadful place. The sea has no constancy about it. Nothing stays the same. The dark face of the sea hides all kinds of mysteries underneath. It allures, then it plunders. It's an aquatic abyss. It's a pulsating puzzle. It's a chaotic conundrum. It rises and it falls and it, and it, 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 goes, it, it, it rocks you to and fro. There's nothing about the sea that I like. Now, did I happen to mention I didn't like the sea? Did I happen to mention that? I wanted to be sure. I know I, I need to look the part, but it's hard for me to look like Jonah, so just hang in there, okay? It takes no philosopher to understand what I'm about to say. So, so get this. Since I hate the sea, I hate anything to do with the sea. I don't like fish. It's another thing. I do like fish. I don't like sailors, and I don't like ships. Ships. Yeah. Those barnacle-encrusted buckets that float idly across the sea, tempting God. The people you meet on ships are all pagans, every one of them. All of them. Same way with small boats. Anybody you see on a small boat's a pagan. She might find this change in me a little unsettling. Now, now follow me, please. But, but let me herald uh, to one and all, as of today, I love the sea and I love ships. I've changed. I've changed. What has caused this change? Well, there was a small matter, really. I, I'm sure it's just a bit of a communication breakdown, a slight misunderstanding, a momentary disruption between friends, you know. Enough of all that. Today I love the sea. Look yonder at that ship. It's all bound for Tarshish, ready to go. I love that ship. Don't you? Isn't that a good-looking ship? Because it's going to carry me across the sea and away from where God wants me to be. Just get me away from God. Now, an ocean is not too great a distance to get between you and God's will. You've got to get just as much as you possibly can between you and God's will. Some people love to run away from God's will as they possibly can. You know, sometimes God's will looks better over there than it does here, even though the same God's will is right here. You know, it's anything to get away. I've got to get some distance between me and God's will. The, what he, really what you need is to get some distance between you and you. Oh, I know this God I serve. I know what stunt he's going to pull on me. You think I'm a fool? I know what God's going to do. I'm running or sailing away from God. Okay, but now you've you guessed my name. Jonah's a name. And before you get too nasty about my name, I know what it means. Jonah means pigeon. And I'm not a stool pigeon. I'm just flying the coop. I'm getting out of Dodge or Jerusalem. Getting out. Now, where are those 
Where are those donkeys at? Got any donkeys down here? It's the closest thing I can look to to be a donkey. A couple of guys that look like donkeys here. Donkeys. I need a couple of donkeys. I got to get my donkeys together so I can get on the ship to go to Tarshish. Are you two donkeys? Good choice. Good choice. Apparently, they're not the donkey kind. But you see, I've got to find my donkeys because I've got to get on the donkeys, ride down to the ship, get on the ship, and get just as much distance between me and God as I possibly can. That beautiful, beautiful, wonderful, precious ship awaits me. Where's those treacherous beasts? There's a couple right here. (laughs) It's time for the truth. God told me to go to Nineveh. Nineveh. That's a heap big city, Kimo Sabi. It's a Las Vegas, Reno, Bangkok, Monaco, Rio, rolled all into one, Nineveh. God said, go and trot out the big guns, preach in 3D, destruction, devastation, and doom. Get it all in there. I'd rather sell pork rinds at a bar mitzvah than do this. And I know what you're thinking. Well, some of you people are slow. You know, you really are slow. I got an initial, and then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I got that one, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you think that I'm a preacher, and I, I should do things like this. It's my job. Hey, I'm not, I'm not afraid of preaching to Nineveh. Do you know what I'm afraid of? I'm not afraid of preaching to Nineveh. I'm afraid of God. That's what scares me. It's not preaching to Nineveh. God will be true to his name. I'll, I'll tell Nineveh that God is going to destroy them. Nineveh will repent. And God being God, he's going to forgive them. Now, surely you can see my dilemma. My reputation is at stake. It's, it's easy for God to change his mind. But me, it's a different story. It's hard for me to change my mind. I get something in, involved up here, and this is the way it should be. And God forbid that it be changed. I can't handle that. What is this business with God? You know, it just seems like he changes his mind. You know, people repent, they get out and start crying a little bit, and all of a sudden everything's okay. Well, if I was God, I would take them out right at the beginning. Mm. So you can see my dilemma. If destruction, mayhem, and violence doesn't come to pass, and I'm a false prophet. You hear me? You go down there and preach all this destruction, mayhem, and if it doesn't come to pass, then I'm a false prophet. And guess what that's going to do to my reputation? That's God's mercy will make this poor little pigeon prophet a pretender. I'm not going to let that happen. So if God's going to forgive them anyway, why does he need me? Why does he even need me? And why does he want me to preach if he's going to show them mercy? Let sin city save itself. Me, I'm going to cruise. I'm going to Tarshish, clear on the other side of the ocean. I'm not only going to Tarshish, I'm getting away from God. My name is Jonah. I'm on a ship, a ship bound for nowhere. Mm. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for that. Now getting back to this person, life is a voyage. 
The imagery of a voyage goes well with life. We set sail in the small box called a cradle. And as adolescents, we leave the harbor. And as adults, we sail on the wide seas. The horizon is limitless. Opportunities arise and treacheries befall. That's the way life is. I don't care who you are. And I made the statement this morning. I don't care how much of God you have in your heart. There's always going to be something or somebody that lets you down. There's going to be situations that arise. There's going to be opportunities that you miss. And really, maybe those opportunities wasn't bad to miss to begin with. Sometimes you just don't understand where your life is going completely. But one thing you can be sure of, you're going somewhere. You're not going nowhere. God has something for your life, and you're going to arrive there. But you just got to believe God enough and trust God enough to know that God has got things well in control. And let God do what He does best. Let Him be the director and the one that gives you direction in your life. I'll give Him a hand clap for that. William Shakespeare said in Julius Caesar, There is a tide in the affairs of men which taken at flood leads on to fortune. Emitted all the voids of their life is bound in shallows and in miseries. On such a full sea are we now afloat. And we must take the current when it serves or we're going to lose our ventures. We're going to lose our ventures. Sometimes, folks, you think that you're not going anywhere when you're moving pretty quick. Sometimes our, our desires and it, it's something that is going nowhere. But when God takes control of your life, he will begin to direct you somewhere. Never believe you're a nobody. Never believe that there's no value in your life. God has value for each and every one of you. Whether you're new or whether you're old, there's a value in your life. God has something special for you. And it may not be what you think, but you let God be the director. You let God be the one who does all this. Let him produce this. Let him direct this. And let him put it on stage. Life is meant to be lived in the deep waters. I've said it before, and I always, every time I think of this, I think of a, a time in Palau when I was, I was diving alone, and uh, I went to one place just off of Rock Island, and, and the guy that took me out there said, now right over here, he says, it, it goes down to, to uh, 1,000 fathoms, and this wasn't even that far off the Rock Island, and so I swim over there because I got to look down in this 1,000 fathom hole. And I swim over there, and you look down, and it just it goes from light blue to deep blue. Most, the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. You could feel the upwellings of the current. I was diving. Of course, I had to go down. I went down about 100 foot into it. And then I turned around because that's anybody's got any sense. Don't go any further than that. And uh, so I went down. But, you know, just, just what you see. And the imagination can run crazy. You know, you could just see something with big jaws coming out of there all of a sudden. You know, it just... You know, and it, there, there's a lot of things with big jaws over there. So, I, you know, it, it, but, but life is meant to be in deep waters. That, you know, life is not meant for us to be able to wade in the shallows all the time. What fun is it if there's not just a little bit of, of, of excitement to living for God? God never intended for us just to walk in shallow waters and everything to be the same all the time. God intended for us to delve off, to jump off into the deep end, if you would, and to be able to swim and let Him trust in Him and let Him bear you up in the times that you need Him the most. We, life is a, is a combination of certainties and uncertainties. 
In the heavens, we see the certainties. And on the ocean, we wallow in mighty uncertainties. There are storms to face. There's doldrums to fight. There's anguish of solitude. There's a pleasure of friendship. There's a dependence on the unseen to drive our vessel. There's a, a learning to look or uh, to look to the heavens for guidance. There's a, there's a plotting, a course, not on the momentary landers of a passing ship, but navigating by the fixed stars. You know, you look up and you navigate by something God has made solid. I don't depend on everything that passes by me. For You know, a ship passes by and I decide I'm going to take my bearing off his lantern or off his light, if you would. Then I'm not going anywhere. But what God has made solid in the heavens, if I take my bearing off the stars, then that's exactly, I'm going in the right direction. Because God has made a certainty in the heavens. Are you with me? There's a certainty in the heavens. There's a certainty in the stars. I, people will let you down. People can lead you astray. But God will never lead you astray. He will never lead you the wrong direction. Oh, my God, do you understand that? Do you understand what I'm saying? He will always be and lead you the right direction. Life is like a voyage. Life needs a destination. Each ship that passes from the harbors of our our fair continent have stated its destination, its estimated time of arrival. Only when a destination is fixed can progress be measured. Life needs a destination. Each person needs to know where he's going. Quite often, though, when people lack the sense of destiny, they go around in circles. Just circling. Jonah thought he was going to Tarshish. He thought he was going somewhere. Yet Jonah learned the lesson each of us must learn. Anywhere other than God's will is nowhere. Anywhere other than God's will is nowhere. We live in a disobedient world. She's off track. She exited harbor, but she's driven about. Not only has she lost her destination, worldly thinking would say there is no destination. She suffers from the all things continue as they are syndrome. Life is a circle in her way of thinking, constantly turning and and treading. Nothing changes. She's on a journey to nowhere. Nihilism is the present spirit of the age. And you need to follow me closely with this because this is real. And there's a lot of people that believe what I'm about to tell you. It is a belief in nothing. Man is not real. The world is not real. If either man or the world were real, it matters little. No one or nothing is going anywhere. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I, I'm going to quote to you from a book called A Place Called Nowhere. Nowhere is in my mind. Nowhere is earth. Nowhere is heaven. Nowhere is hell. Nowhere is my depression. Nowhere is my salvation. Nowhere forgives my sins because I cannot sin against myself. Nowhere is my home. Nowhere is my mind. There is a place called nowhere, which is my life. Nowhere is my death. Time is eternal. Life is an illusion. Death is a state of mind. Now, if you drink too long out of that fountain, you're going nowhere. You're going to choke to death. That is modern religious thinking. 
And you would think that nowhere is actually the place to be. But in Walsh's conversations with God, the Lord allegedly says that there is no such thing as getting to heaven. There's only a knowing that you're already there. One cannot go where one already is. Enlightenment is understanding that there is nowhere to go, nothing to do, nobody you have to be except who you are. Now that's some convoluted stuff there. Now just hang on. This world is on a journey to nowhere. And the greatest revelation is one of convoluted syntax. And the same bunch who rewrites atonement to be at one Okay, hear me. Also say that nowhere really means to be now here. That's how they change all this. One thing that spiritists won't tell you is this. Nowhere is a myth. Nowhere doesn't exist. Are you there? Somebody, somewhere, is always going to go somewhere. There is a world, there is a heaven, and there is a hell. And we are going to go in one of those areas. It's all the times of our life. We're either going to be on earth, or we're going to go to heaven, or we're going to go to hell. There is somewhere to go, friend. And we've got to make up our mind today, tonight, that we're going to go to the right place. Let them say in modern thinking and philosophy all they want to say. But one thing's for sure. This guy is going to heaven. This guy is going somewhere. I've got my eye on the stars. That's the one thing that is solid. My destination is fixed. My mind is made up. We're on a journey somewhere from the moment the wind fills the sails of these lungs. From the moment you start screaming, our lives begin a journey. Life is like a voyage. It's what Melville and his classic Moby Dick, that is a homeward bound. Life is headed home. Life is headed home. You see, that's the one thing we don't hear enough about anymore. That's why that we got people in churches today that are doing everything against standards and everything against holiness because they're going nowhere. They don't hear heaven preached enough. They don't hear hell preached enough. I don't care who you are, what you believe. We're all in a destination. We have got somewhere to go, and we're headed there. I don't care where it may be. You're still going. You've got to make up your mind what direction you're going to be. You're going to have to set your affection on the stars. You're going to have to get a heading. You're going to have to get a bearing, and you're going to have to head for heaven, or you're going to go to a place that you don't want to be. My friend, I'm going somewhere. I'm not going to let down now. I'm not going to begin to do things that I've never done now. I'm not going to allow things to get in my life that I've never allowed to get in now. I'm not going to let that happen. I still believe, my friend, that there is a devil that wants my soul, and he's going to do everything he can to deceive me. I'm not going to let myself be deceived in this last few hours. I'm not going to let myself be deceived. If you do, my friend, it's up to you to make up your mind right now that I will not allow that to happen. I'm going somewhere. I, I'm concerned about what's going on around us. I'm concerned. I hear things now that I never thought I would hear. And I know there's other good churches. I'm not, I'm not Elijah standing on the mountaintop with my cloak wrapped around me. But I just sometimes you feel like you're on an island. And no one else is preaching it the way that they should be preaching it. 
And you begin to let down on holiness and you begin to let down on the other aspects of the doctrine as well. I'm going to fight it till the day I die. And I hope somebody picks it up after I'm done. I'm going somewhere. I'm planning on going somewhere and it's not going to hell. I'm not going to hell. I'm not going to be deceived by false prophets, false religions. What I see in front of me is real. You're going somewhere. Your life has a purpose and your life has a destination. Paul described the destination of each child of God. Philippians 1.21 from for. To me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's not talking about somebody who had nowhere to go. That's not someone speaking in terms where there was no hope. He said, for me to live in this world is Jesus Christ, and for me to die is heaven. That's what he was saying. And that's how we need to be. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that this world has to offer to me. There is nothing this world can give me in pleasure that can make up in any way with what I have in the peace and the joy that I have in Jesus Christ. Don't you ever allow anybody to tell you, young people or old person, that you're missing out on something. You're not missing out on anything. To live, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I live in Him, friend, when I die, I'm going to gain something that is great, that is mighty, that is magnificent, that is awesome, that is pure, that is holy, that is righteous. Praise God. God's bigger than all our problems. He's bigger than your wife's headaches. In Jesus' name. He's bigger than our hang-ups and gospel. It's not going to amount to anything. Devil's trying his best to stop that. He's trying his best, but it's not going to happen. We've prayed for too long and too many years. We've tried. We've fought. We've done everything right. You know, that's one thing I've got to know in my heart that I've done everything right. We've done everything right. And we're going to continue to go forward. We're not going to worry about the things that's going on around us. We may have to, we may have to pull on the belt a little bit, tighten up in a few areas, but we're still going to go forth. I told my wife the other day, I said, I don't care what happens. I said, we're not going to stop evangelizing. We're not going to stop reaching out to people. We're not going to stop. I don't care what we have to do. We're not stopping. Our destination is more of a person than a place. We're going to where Jesus is. Paul calls that place a far better country. Your destination is more of a person than a place. Until a person books passage to the feet of Jesus, he's headed nowhere. Until you book passage to the feet of Jesus, you're going nowhere. You know, the alchemists have searched for what is called the philosopher's stone for many years. Now, this philosopher's stone is a mythical stone that, when touched, will transmute ordinary rock into purest gold. 
Once a man had a vision telling him where the stone was. He journeyed to the riverbank. He saw in his vision. Lining the banks were thousands of stones. So he took his walking stick and he would touch a stone. And then he looked at the walking stick to see if it turned to gold. If not, he would toss that common stone into the river and move to the next stone. Over and over, day after day, until one day he realized that there was no more stones. He also realized that somehow over the past several days, his walking stick had turned to gold. He'd grown so accustomed to throwing away the stones that he overlooked the one real thing. Do you get that? You sit out there and you, you just toss this away and toss that away until one day you just stop and you look and you threw the real thing away. And you can't even, you don't even know when you did it. Just all of a sudden you realize that it's gone. And you had it in your hands all along. The world looks... And it searches for an answer to its dilemmas. Yet in their search, they've overlooked and rejected the true stone. I've never been there. I don't know if Sister Deem has or not. I read where on Mars Hill, you go up to it today, that the stone steps up Mars Hill has been so worn that it's real slippery to try to get there. And that's kind of, I thought, and I read that, I thought, isn't that like false religions? You know, the, the way to them is always slippery. And Paul, when he went up to Mars Hill, he stood on Mars Hill, he reasoned with the forerunners of today's nihilism. He argued with the philosophers that they had tried too many things only to be found lacking. They didn't realize that the real thing was in their midst. Paul said, he said, in Jesus Christ we live and move, and we have our being. The majority scoffed, but the Bible says that certain men clave unto him and believed. You let the scoffer scoff at you, because all the time that one in front of you is scoffing and making you look, trying to make you look stupid, there's the one standing over at the side that's listening. The one on the other side that's listening. Those are the ones that may come up to you like Nicodemus in the dark of night and ask you a little bit more about it. But God never allows His Word to fall. It won't. It'll accomplish that that it was sent forth to do. People can only exist so long without a sense of destiny. Perhaps you're in this place and you need to know now more than ever that Jesus is your destination each day you're being conformed to his image each day you draw closer to him each day your life's vessel comes closer to the place where you will live with him forever each day he bids you to come amazing to me I, I look at people as we grow older I see people that should as they get older get wiser and want to get closer to God Sometimes maybe we give up things that we don't necessarily have to give up, but just for the sake of, I want to be sure I'm right. I throw it away. 
It's always amazing when I see people as they get closer to the coming of the Lord, whether it be by the rapture or whether by their own death, start picking up things that they shouldn't be. I can't afford, we can't afford that. The world will try to tell you it doesn't matter. And God, help us to stand up for what's right. God, help us for our children's sake, for our family's sake, to not give in now. I don't want to be on the road to nowhere. You've got to have a sense of destiny. You've got to. It matters little the storms we encounter. Because when we arrive at our destination, they're all going to be forgotten. I remember trips out in the ocean. And the waves were so rough and the storms and the lightning was hitting. And Brother Davis has been with me on a few of those. And you, you come in and you, you're praying and you say, God, you've got to get us back into shore. And you do get back in and you're so thankful you're back in. And the next day you're right back out there again. <laughs> you forget so soon what you endured the day before. Listen, folks, storms are going to be there. You're going you're gonna to get out and, and you're going to work, work in this world. You're going to be a witness in this world. And there's going to be storms that come up against you. The devil's going to try to confront you. He's going to try to destroy your witness. He's going to try to destroy relationships. He's going to try to do all this. Storms is going to be there. And you go back sometimes and you lick your wounds and you say, God, help me to make it another day. And God will. He will help you make it another day. God will be with you. And the next day you're right back out there again. And there may be a fresh storm, a new attack by the enemy, but you're right back out there again. You don't quit. You don't quit. I got a destiny. I got a destination. I want to be with Jesus one day. I don't quit. Jonah had a wrong concept of God. His his fateful trip... And his experiences brought to him an understanding of who God really is. The trip is more than a place. It's all about a person. Francis Thompson was a forgotten, homeless drug addict with tuberculosis. And like Jonah, Francis tried to run from God. An editor of a, of a Christian magazine found him, nursed him back, to attentive health. Francis Thompson never forgot it. He went on to be a renowned Christian poet. Reflecting on his past life, the poet portrayed his soul as a wayward fugitive running from God. Haunted by his sin and hunted by his own conscience, he's finally seized by God. And he wrote this, The Hound of Heaven. I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinth ways of my own mind and in the midst of tears. I hid from him under his running laughter. There's a lot of people in here that could say the same thing. This poet would relate to you. You ran from God. You hid from him in the midst of tears. You hid from him in the labyrinth of your mind. But you could still hear his laughter as he came up behind you, no matter what. 
And I can take that personally because I remember the time when I ran from God. And I remember, I remember, and, it, and when I read that, that poem, I thought I could actually hear God laughing at my feeble attempts of trying to stay away from Him. No matter how hard I ran, how nasty I was, and I could pretty nasty, He still was laughing. You're not going to get away from me. Aren't you glad he caught you one day? Let's stand. Stand. Aren't you glad he caught you? Mm. Mm. Raise your hands toward heaven as I finish this up. Like Jonah, Francis Thompson had to come to the end of himself. And when he came to the end of himself, he found an escape from nowhere. The escape from nowhere is a someone who knows the way we take kind of hear is that prodigal did the running laughter of Jesus Christ as he comes up behind you. Every head in this place I want bowed. And I'm extending, I feel this strongly, whether you respond or not, I don't, I don't know, but I am reaching out to that person right now who has heard the laughter behind them as you tried to escape. You went to the bar, you could still hear the laughter of God behind you. In the drug haze, you could steer, still hear the laughter behind you. In the midst of friends, perversion, filthy talk, everything that you did to try to get him out of your mind, you could still hear God's laughter. In his voice saying, you'll never get away from me. Now's the time to quit running. Quit putting yourself through the misery. Quit putting yourself through the misery. This altar's open to the person who's ran from God too long. This altar's open for the persons that has ran from God too long. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? I feel my heart expanding towards you and I know how God feels about all this and I know how God is talking to you would you come would you come as these people bow before them I want the ministers to get down and pray with each and every one as people that have been running too long get down and pray with them get down and find them all the ministers on the platform out in the, in the congregation I want you to come and pray with some of these these are people that have ran too long they have ran too long. God wants to change some things in their lives tonight. He wants to stop it. The laughter's still there. You can't run from me forever. You can't run forever. Would you come? Still reaching out to somebody. Still reaching out. Still reaching out to that person who's ran. Need somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Sister Evans. Sister Evans. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Still some others. Still some others. I still feel a, a pull. I still feel the pull. There's still someone out there that God has dealt with. You have felt His presence. You've 
You've heard his laughter. You heard the laughter of the one behind you saying, you can't escape me forever. It's not a laughter of derision. It's a laughter of desire and a laughter of joy, knowing that when you allow him to catch you, everything's going to be better. Your life is going to take a turn for the best. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Lord bless you. This altar will remain open. This altar will remain open. You can always come. 